new iPhone, new Safari, new iOS, and the same host. It's OWC Radio number 30. Hey folks, Tim Robertson, host of OWC Radio, the official podcast of Otherworld Computing, found at www.maxsales.com. If you want to get a hold of us here at the show, a couple of easy ways to do so. First of all, you can follow us on Twitter and send us messages there. It's twitter.com slash OWC Radio, or just at OWC Radio. You can send us email. It's podcast at maxsales.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at MaxSales.com. And we do have a phone number you can call and leave a message that way. It's 1-801-938-5559. And I'll repeat all that at the end of the show as well. And, of course, make sure you visit our website at www.owcradio.com. So, yeah, yesterday, uh, Monday, I'm recording this on Tuesday, June 8th. So yesterday, June 7th, WWDC kicks off Steve Jobs' keynote address. A lot of rumors flying before the keynote, of course. And um, boy, just I, I personally, I get sick of the rumors. I There's a lot of rumors. Oh, there's going to be a new Apple TV and it's going to be no hard drive and it's going to cost $99 and it will stream your stuff from the cloud and la di da di da. And I don't know. Are you getting sick of the rumors too? I am. I am just, I'm tired of listening to other podcasts that talk about products that don't even exist as far as I'm concerned until Apple actually releases it or we have actual concrete evidence that it's coming. I just, I don't care anymore. I want to know about what's real, what's now, or what's coming up officially. I like speculating as much as the next guy. Don't get me wrong. But there's a difference between speculating with someone on a show. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if, don't you think Apple needs this or that or the other? As opposed to, we've got a secret that nobody else knows, and here it is, and presenting it as fact. I'm just, I'm tired of it. And uh, I'm tired of hearing it on other podcasts that I listen to, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. And I just, I don't want to hear about it anymore. Let's, let's talk about what's going on now. You know, you, you have a great computer sitting in front of you. You have, a lot of us anyways, a very nice telephone, a cell phone that <laughs> is just amazing. And we're running an OS, if you're listening to this show, it's probably the Mac OS that is heads and shoulders above anything else out there. So Apple has the WWDC Worldwide Developers Conference. Steve Jobs takes the stage there at the Moscone Center, same place that uh, the Macworld Expo happens. And he shows us a few new things. Of course, number one, the brand new iPhone 4. There was a lot of uh, speculation, which, again, I don't mind speculation on what the new iPhone was going to be called. Uh, iPhone 4. I think it's perfect. It's... um, I, I, th- I don't think they need to, to advertise any more 3G or 3GS or those type of monikers. Just iPhone 4. And it's a it's a big departure. You know, a lot of people say that there was a big departure between the iPhone, the first one, and the iPhone 3 and 3GS. Really, there wasn't. Uh, I actually still have both the original iPhone and a iPhone 3GS. And comparing them side by side, there's really not that much difference. The new iPhone, the iPhone 4, however, is a pretty radical departure for Apple in the aesthetics of the phone itself. And a lot going on inside as well as outside, and we'll get into all those details here in a second. But uh, looking at it online, it looks totally different. Yet I watch video, hands-on experience. Uh, For instance, I watched Sam Levin from App Minute on YouTube doing the uh, demo of the new phone, 
there at the WWDC. And while he was holding it, it it looked like an iPhone. It's kind of, it looks smaller, but I don't know. It, it just looks different. But then you compare it with an original iPhone or iPhone 3, 3GS, and it really doesn't look that different. So I don't know. I can't wait to get my hands on one, look at it myself, play with it. And uh, I'll let you know here in a little bit if I'm going to get one or not. But let's go through some of the uh, some of the presentation information Steve Jobs gave us. First of all, iBook is being updated, and it's going to work with the iPhone. No big surprise there. They had already made this announcement. Uh, you can make notes. You can have new bookmarks. And you can have a page that will display your notes and bookmarks rather than having to skip to that page in a book, an ebook, You can have a page that it displays all your notes, all your bookmarks. I think that's great. Uh, it looks very significant. Now, I am a huge reader. I, I love reading. I, I don't know if I want to say I love reading more than I love, say, movies, but probably do. It really depends on the book and the movie, of course. But I like the the interaction that I have with books. And that you live with books a lot longer than you do a movie. Average movie, you, you watch for, what, hour and a half, two hours tops? Lord of the Rings maybe a little longer. But a couple hours, and then you're done with it, and you move on without your, throughout your day. With a book, at least for me, uh, that's what I usually do laying in bed at night. Too much information? Maybe. But I, I like to read. I like the feel of turning the page. So when the when the iPad came out, I wasn't sure if I was going to really get into iBooks because I like that turning the page thing. Uh, but I do. I got into the iBooks. I love it just as much as I do physical books, and I'm using it all the time. I love how it remembers what page I'm on, no matter how many different books I'm reading at the same time. That's always kind of nice. So any improvement this, that they can make to iBook is uh, welcome. Another, and I think this is a really significant change. I really do, and I think this is going to be huge. PDF shelf in iBooks. You can finally download and import PDFs on the iPad and have it show up and read them in iBooks. There's just, uh, I, I, I can't count this high, there's hundreds of thousands of free books online in PDF format, not EPUB, which is what iBooks supported before, and it still does. But PDF, I, I've seen just hundreds of books. And the problem with those books for me up to now has been when I convert those PDFs to EPUB, I lose a lot of formatting. Formatting, And I've tried a couple different uh, applications. Uh, stands, it's okay. But I really just wanted to have the PDF, to be honest. Now, I could already read a PDF on the iPad or the iPhone as well. But I wanted it in iBooks. I wanted it on the shelf. I wanted it to remember where I was. Uh, my only workaround uh, that kind of worked for me was to put it in Dropbox and then within the Dropbox application, open it there. The problem is there is no Dropbox yet for the iPad. They haven't made an app for it. So everything was blown up to that 2X and ugh, that was horrible. So having a shelf within iBook for PDFs is great. I'm really looking forward to that. In fact, there's a couple of books that I had in PDF that I converted to EPUB and tried to read, and it, the formatting was just terrible. Um, and I kind of gave up, and I thought, oh, I'll come back to them when I don't have more pressing things I want to read. But now, with PDF support and iBooks, I'm just going to drag the PDF in there and read those instead. It's fantastic. I'm really, really pleased. Thank you very much to the powers that be at Apple for giving me exactly what I wanted. And they didn't even ask. That's the great thing right there. They didn't even ask. Some um, interesting tidbits. 15,000 apps are submitted per week to the App Store, and they have a 95% approval rating within seven days. That's pretty impressive, especially for a developer. Netflix for the iPhone is coming this summer. You can resume watching after, say, watching a, a movie on your computer or on your iPad, you, know, you break out the Netflix for the iPhone, and you could continue to watch in a TV show or a movie, whatever you were watching, streaming. You could watch it right there on the iPhone. Picks up right where you left off. That is really, really cool. 
I could see that coming in handy. I'm just not going to tell you the situations that I think that will come in the most handy for me. Farmville is coming for the iPhone. I, I could care less. But I told my wife this, who has a first generation, well, she has my first generation iPhone. And uh, I said, you know, Farmville's coming for the iPhone because she plays games on the iPhone quite a bit. And uh, she spends quite a bit of time as well, not as much as she used to, but uh, Farmville on Facebook. So when I told her this, I thought she'd be more excited. And she went, oh, okay. I said, well, you're not interested in that? She said, well, I don't want to start all over. I've got a pretty big farm that I have to micromanage on Facebook. I don't really want to start another one on the iPhone. And I said, well, it's my understanding that it will actually sync with your Farmville on Facebook. That made a difference to her. She said, so it would be the same farm and everything? And I said, yep. And her eyes kind of sparkled a little bit. And she said, will it run on the original iPhone? I said, I don't know. Probably. doesn't look like a very graphic-intensive program, so it should. So we'll see. I'm hoping that it runs on the original iPhone. Or maybe I won't care. I don't know. We'll find out. More on that in a minute. Guitar Hero for the iPhone. Now, of course, we already had... It's not Guitar uh, Rock Band for the iPhone. We've had that for a while. I've got it. I think a lot of people downloaded that game. Uh, and I actually played Guitar Hero... I'm sorry. Uh, I've actually played Rock Band with my brother-in-law on his iPhone uh, last Christmas. And that was kind of fun. A little annoying <laughs> for everybody else in their room with us. But it was kind of cool. So Guitar Hero is coming for the iPhone. Now, I didn't actually watch the keynote. I know you can download it now or at least stream it. And I probably will get around to doing that this week. And I'm extremely busy right now. I'm doing a lot of video editing. Um, got a lot on my plate. So I, I don't have the time to s spend two hours watching the WWDC keynote at the moment. But I guess there's some changes that um, Activision did with Guitar Hero for the iPhone to make it a little bit different, a little bit more unique. Um, they really took into consideration the game ability of the iPhone. No word if this is going to come for the iPad or not. I don't know. I don't know why it wouldn't. It does ship with uh, some surprising music, to be honest. The Rolling Stones and Queen. And it was available starting yesterday for $2.99. Perfect price for that. Just perfect. So 5 billion apps have been downloaded. And this is kind of surprising and kind of staggering to me. And developers have made $1 billion from the App Store to date. A billion dollars. Wow. Now, I'm not a developer per se, uh, although I did write a white paper for an app and had a developer friend of mine actually make that app, and we've been selling it on the App Store for 99 cents for a long time. Um, it, yes, I've made a little bit of money. No, it doesn't take any kind of percentage of that $1 billion. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I, I really wish. The program, by the way, is called Big Words. You can check it out in... Uh, in the iTunes Music Store, or I'm sorry, in the App Store. Uh, I think we're going to end up giving it away for free real soon. But it's $0.99. Cent. It's a cute little app. You type on it, and the words come up on your iPhone. Um, go, go check it out if you want. So 5 billion apps. Apple has paid out $1 billion to the developers so far. Um, and, you know, the thing is, when we say developers, remember, we're not talking about just companies like Activision or Rockstar we're not talking about just those big companies. We're talking about people like you, like me. Anybody can write apps for the iPhone, and Apple will sell it. And if it sells well, you make money. So when they say they've, they've sent out a billion dollars so far, there's a lot of people out there making a pretty good living, I think, in the App Store. I know there's a, there's a lot of controversy surrounding the App Store. Some people like what's going on. Some people don't. Uh, some people are asking for more transparency and clear-cut rules on Apple's part, which I actually agree with. Um, but it's interesting nonetheless. A, a billion dollars have been paid out, especially in today's economy. More on the new iPhone 4. 
There's glass on the front and the back, and there's stainless steel around the sides. It's 24% thinner than the iPhone 3GS, and Apple claims it is the thinnest smartphone in the world. Hmm. Now, the iPhone 3GS is already pretty thin. I mean, you know, I've got one sitting right here. Um, I'm trying to figure out how much thinner 24% would be. It's, it's a quarter thinner, basically. Not an American quarter. I mean, you know, a quarter of this. So, yeah, you know what I mean. I, I want to hold one. I want to see what that's like. It has a front-facing camera, LED flash, a mute button. I kind of, no one's really bringing this up. I like the idea of a mute button. Right there above the uh, volume controls, a little mute button. That's a good idea. That's something that I've been wanting for a long time. Uh, LED flash. Eh, you know, I've never seen a any camera that uses a, a small LED flash work very well. It's LED flashes are kind of harsh. Um, but the front-facing and the rear-facing camera, that's a good idea. And we'll get into what that means here in a minute. And you already know anyways. I mean... I, I, I'm seriously doubting that anybody's listening to this podcast hasn't already explored what the new iPhone uh, has to offer. But I'm going to go through it anyways because it gives me a, a chance to talk about it. And I'm hoping that as you guys listen to the show, maybe you have some thoughts or ideas and want to share them with us. If you do, again, let me give you the contact information, podcast at maxsales.com or... 1-801-938-5559. So the stainless steel band around the edges, around the side of the new iPhone 4, is actually the antenna. Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, PDG, UMTS, and GSM antenna. That is a great idea. Just fantastic. Actually, when I first heard that they're using glass on the front and the back, I figured, oh, okay, that's because... Um, Apple is is trying to get a better signal out of the phone for the antenna. But no, it, the side, the metal band, is actually the antenna. That's a, just a great idea. Retina display, 326 pixels per inch at 960 by 640 display. That's 800 to 1 contrast ratio, which is about four times better than the iPhone 3GS. That's probably, I, I have to say, honestly, that's probably the most intriguing and thought-provoking and the biggest draw for me when it comes to upgrading my current phone to the iPhone 4, a better display. That's very interesting. And it looks like from all reports that I've been reading online, and including talking to a few people who were actually there, the aforementioned Sam Levin, for instance, that the screen is just fantastic. And it's Reading text is almost like reading a book. It's that good. So, hmm, yeah, I'm very interested in checking that out because of, if for no other reason, that and the next thing, which is that the new iPhone 4 is powered by the A4 chip, which is the same as in the iPad. Now, being an iPad owner, I could tell you things launch blistering fast on the iPad, especially or even compared to the iPhone 3GS. Now, as the owner of both, I, you know, I have a lot of the same apps on both machines, and I got to be honest, the iPad just smokes it when it comes to launching applications. It's not even close. So the new iPhone is going to have the same chip. Now, what they didn't say is, is it the same chip exactly, i.e., same speed, same cache, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. But I guarantee you that it's going to be faster than the current iPhone, and that's a good thing. Launching apps is probably the thing that I cannot stand about the iPhone more than anything. Sitting there, clicking an app, and waiting, and waiting, and waiting. Some of them take quite a while to launch. A faster chip, obviously, will take care of that. Getting a little bit of GSM buzz thanks to my telephone here. I'm going to move it as far away as possible. I hope it didn't pick it up too bad. Something about this location of my current iPhone, I get that buzz. Ugh, I hate it. Three-axis gyro for pitch, roll, and yaw. At first I thought, what, what, a gyro in my phone? What? I don't get it. 
Well, it could be great for gaming. And uh, Steve Jobs gave a demonstration. It looked kind of like a Jenga game. And without actually seeing the demo, it's kind of hard to comment on. But I'm going to take their word for it that this is going to be really cool for gaming. Um, here, I really was into iPhone gaming for a while. But the problem is I have an iPad now. And gaming on the iPad let's be honest, is a lot better than gaming on the iPhone. Just the bigger screen alone makes all the difference. Just, it's a huge difference. Um, if I if I have an opportunity to play a game on the iPad or the iPhone, I'll pick the iPad every day of the week. So the three-axis gizmo, gyro, doesn't do anything for me. Until it comes to the iPad, of course. Now, there is a new camera on the iPhone 4. It's 5 megapixels with a 5X digital zoom. Tap to focus. Like I said, it has the LED flash. But it also, and this is intriguing, it also does 720p, 30 frames per second HD video. Now, the LED flash will stay on consistently while you're shooting video if you want it to, if you're in a dark situation. That's very interesting to me. 720p video. That is HD. No question about it. Now, there's actually a built-in video editing app. I didn't get, again, I didn't watch the demo, so um, that's kind of interesting to me. But, you know, I do all my editing in Final Cut Pro, so I don't know how much of a draw that's going to be. But nonetheless, a better camera in the iPhone is always a good thing. I take a lot of pictures with my iPhone, but never the important ones. Um, Maybe I'll take a picture when it's raining outside and post it to my Twitter feed. Or the kids are doing something funny and the iPhone's right there in my pocket, so I'll take a picture of it. Uh, I could be somewhere and see something and I'll take video of it. So having a better camera and 720p video is a big draw, a really big draw. So, hmm. They also announced iMovie for iPhone. $4.99. You can add photos that will automatically get the Ken Burns effect, transitions, titles. It looks cool. I just cannot imagine editing video using my iPhone. The screen is just too small. Now, I edit video every day. Well, not on the weekends usually, but every day I'm editing video in Final Cut Pro. And I just can't imagine doing it on such a tiny, tiny screen. It's going to be, I could see doing it on the iPad. I could see that easily, but I can't see doing it on the iPhone itself. So my question is, if iMovie's coming to the iPhone, what about the iPad? Of course, the iPad doesn't have a camera, and uh, but still, you know, if you could drop something on your iPad and edit it there, I don't know. It's an intriguing idea, of course. Quite honestly, I'll spend the $4.99 to check out iMovie for the iPhone. Um, I don't know if it's going to work on the iPhone 3GS. They didn't make that clear if if iMovie for iPhone is just for the iPhone 4 or it's for the older models as well. Didn't say. The big thing that Apple is promoting with the new iPhone is FaceTime. FaceTime is the video conferencing, but... The problem is you can only do it with other iPhone 4 owners and only via uh, Wi-Fi. Those are two huge limiting factors that, uh, hmm, it's going to really stifle the development and the usage of FaceTime. It really is. Um, Right off the bat, I can think if if I have a Wi-Fi signal, and I want to do a video chat, chances are I've got my laptop with me with iChat or Skype, and I can do it with that. Now, if I could do that with an iPhone 4 owner, if I could use iChat over the Internet to to video chat with them, that would be different. But that's not what this is. This is actually calling someone and then initiating a video chat. So I'm going to have to, you know... I'm not going to say it's a it's it's a fail whale or anything like that right now. I haven't used it. I haven't tried it. But I don't know if I have enough people in my life who's going to have an iPhone 4 or later soon enough for that to have any kind of significant impact on me at all. Hmm. 
It would also be cool if they have an, let's say they had an older iPhone, uh, a 3GS for instance, if I could do a video chat with them, even though they can't send video my way, that might be interesting as well. But that's not the case. So I think that FaceTime has some has some problems with this first version that they're really going to have to address before it's going to become real popular. And finally, the prices. The new iPhones, the top of the line, 32 gigabyte, is $299 with a two-year contract. These are all with the two-year AT&T contract here in the United States. 16 gigs for $199 or the bottom of the barrel, and I think this is pretty impressive actually, you can get an iPhone 3GS 8 gigabytes for $99. And they go on sale June 24th, so three weeks from now. Hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the big question. Am I going to get an iPhone 4? And the answer is, I don't know. Look, I've got a 32 gigabyte iPhone 3GS. It does every single thing that I really want it to do. Um, And let me go through some of the things that I use my iPhone for. And by the way, I, I just turned on airplane mode. So if you're hearing the GSM buzz... Again, I apologize. I've got the iPhone on the other side of the room, and for some reason, it's being real sensitive today. The microphones, it's picking it up. Thank you, AT&T. What I use my iPhone for, A, number one, to make and receive calls. Now, the problems that I'm having there aren't the problem of the iPhone itself. It's the problem of AT&T. So, hmm. In that respect, no, there's no reason for me to get the new iPhone. Unless with a new antenna stainless steel band wrapped around it actually gives me a significantly better signal that it compensates for some of the network mishaps of AT&T's network, then maybe. But on the whole, no. Um, the phone itself is, is not a, a compelling reason to upgrade iPod. I use my iPhone all the time to listen to podcasts and audiobooks and music. And I listen to them in my car for the most part. So does the new iPhone give me anything, even the top of the line, give me anything that I already, don't already have? And of course, the answer is no. Uh, the top of the line iPhone 4 is 32 gigs, and I've got 32 gigs. And quite honestly, I'm only using about 75% of that. So no compelling reason there. The other thing that I use it for quite a bit is web browsing. Again, I'm not seeing any significant improvement. Uh, It'll launch faster. Maybe a page will load a little bit faster because of the A4 processor. But for the most part, not a compelling reason. GPS. I use GPS on my iPhone quite a bit. Well, it works just great. Uh, I've never been in a situation where it wasn't getting a GPS signal and it never steered me wrong. Um, Don't see anything different about the iPhone 4 over the iPhone 3GS that would make it a significant reason to buy. So there again we have, but no. Games. Well, I don't play too many games on my iPhone anymore. And the ones I do run just fine. They're not slow. They don't stutter. I don't have any frame rate issues. Uh, They look fine. So that one's a maybe. The screen itself. Now, without having to to actually seen or touch or play with the new iPhone 4, I can't say what a significant upgrade. I know Apple's making a big deal of it. That's their job. They want to sell new phones. But from my point of view, from... The, the Retina display, it, it looks impressive on a web page, and I'm sure it looked impressive sitting there in the hall at the Moscone Center while Steve Jobs was demonstrating it and teaching everyone about anti-alias. However, I don't have an issue with my iPhone screen right now. Now, that's not to say 
Um, when I actually hold one and look at the iPhone 4 that I won't say, wow, the screen is so much better, I have to have this. It's That right there is the reason. But without having actually done that yet, I'm not let me let me put it this way I'm not displeased with the with the display on the current iPhone 3GS it it works great I can play any of the games I want I can see it just fine in the daytime especially when I'm using the GPS uh it, it's just fine when I'm looking at pictures and zooming pinching and zooming and scrolling it looks fine when I'm browsing the web I can see everything just fine while I'm reading if I I don't usually read too much on it um hmm so offhand, I would say, no, the, the display isn't a driving factor. What about the aesthetics itself, the shape, the size? Well, that's a different story. That's a resounding no in that I have a um, newer tech window mount in my car. And that's what I use to hold my iPhone. Now, that's built specifically for the iPhone 3 and 3GS. That's what it's made for. It's custom. It's a custom fit stand, and it works great. It really now. I'm not saying that because this is OWC's podcast, and we sell these devices. It's a fantastic stand. I never trusted those suction cup things before. I, I didn't. I, you know, my first iPhone, <clears throat> I paid full price for it, five hundred ninety nine dollars when it came out, and I just didn't trust some big suction cup stuck to a piece of glass to hold this $600 phone securely without it falling onto the floor or whatever, smashing on my dashboard, you know. So I was always a little hesitant to try one until I used the newer tech window mount. Love it. Just, I mean, it's so fantastic. Now, we've got video of these up at OWCRadio.com. I think you're going to have to go to either to page two or page three at this point to see that video or just uh, go up to iTunes and look at OWC TV. It's posted there as well and a much higher resolution MP4 file. Um, after we did the demonstration, I, I had the window mount for a couple days and I ended up buying it because, <clears throat> in fact, I, I bought the one you see in that video. That is that is mine now. That that's, I bought it. I just kept it and said, here's the money. You're not getting this back. I like it too much. Um, so I, that's a problem for me because without actually having an iPhone 4 to test it, if it doesn't hold it, then I'm not going to get an iPhone 4 until uh, newer technology has the window mount for the iPhone 4. That's how much I like that stand, that window mount. I'm not going to give up using that window mount. I'm not going to start going back to, you know, a little cradle by the cup holder or setting on the seat next to me. No, not going to do it. So that's kind of a big issue for me until, uh, until the peripherals out there, the cases and the stands and, you know, those type of things, until they're all updated, there's not a compelling reason for me aesthetically to get the new one. Now we come to the display. Um, and I already said that's, uh, kind of an issue right now. What about the A4 chip being faster? Well, here's the thing. My iPhone 3GS doesn't really seem slow to me. It really doesn't. So that's kind of a non-starter. So I'm assuming that if you listen to this this far, you're assuming now that I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to buy one. No, that's not the case. Unfortunately, I probably will buy one. Now, I don't know if I'm going to buy one on June 24th, the day it comes out, but I'm going to buy one for the simple reason that my wife, who's using my original iPhone, would like a newer phone. She would like to have an iPhone that has GPS on it. So, <laughs> yes, I'll probably buy the new iPhone. And I will probably pass my iPhone 3GS, which is in perfect condition, uh, to my wife. And she's happy about that. In fact, when she saw the iPhone 4, she said, ooh, does that mean I'm going to get your iPhone now? And I laughed. I said, yeah, probably, but not right away. And it's not the money issue. The $299 is not the money. That, that's not the issue for me on whether I want to buy the new iPhone or not. It's where does it fit in with what I've got now? 
and I'm not seeing any significant improvements on the new iPhone over and above what I have with my 32 gig iPhone 3GS. So I put it to you. What do you think? Do you think it's worth buying? If you have a 32 gig or even a 16 gig iPhone 3GS, is there a compelling enough reason, and if so, why, and if not, why not, to buy the iPhone 4? I'd really like to have your feedback on that. Um, again, podcast at maxsales.com, or you can leave a message on our Skype number. It's one 938 5559. Two more topics I want to talk about uh, in email, as well as this. Safari 5 was released on Monday. It's funny that they had the Worldwide Developers Conference and Steve Jobs and Apple never even mentioned Safari. And yet, the very same day, just hours later, Apple releases Safari 5. The features that they're promoting is um, Safari Reader, which is a feature that presents web pages in a streamlined interface. What that basically means is, think of a, a, a plain text document. Now, you're looking at a website and you're reading the content, but, you know, you get those flashing ads and banners moving and, you know, it's just distracting. And you want to just, I just want to read this article. Well, with Safari 5, while you're on that page, and I'm going to do it right now as because uh, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to get my... Uh, key combination wrong. So I'm just going to go to any website here and click this. So while you're on that website, if you just hit the control, which is the Apple key, shift and then R, it looks like a simple text or um, is it simple text? See, I'm showing my age now. A text edit document basically slides up from the bottom of the Safari window with just the text. Now, if there's any inline graphics with the article, they are displayed as well. But none of the ads, none of the header, none of the footer, none of that stuff that's kind of distracting at times is displayed. Just the text of the article with, again, any pictures that go with it. Now, is that significant? You know what? I think it kind of is. It looks really good. Um, I'm trying it on a web page right now where the text is kind of small. And I hit uh, Apple Shift R. This comes up. The text is bigger. Now, you do have a plus and a minus zoom in button so you can make it bigger or smaller. It does have an email button where if you click that, that plain text document that you're looking at is pasted into a, um, a mail window with a link to the original article, and it looks fantastic. All the graphics are there. It's, it's fantastic. It looks really, really good. There's also a print button, which we obviously know what that's for. And there's a button to a little X button that closed that window. Or you can just click anywhere behind the web browser and it closes. I really like this feature, Safari Reader. For that reason alone, I say go download Safari 5 because that is pretty cool. Now, they also have support for developer-created extensions, new HTML5 capabilities, and, probably more significant for most of us, performance increases. And, of course, Safari is free, so there's no real reason for you to uh, not download it. And it, you know what? It looks really cool to me. I'm looking forward to playing with it. Um, I've already downloaded it on two of my machines, and I plan on, well, I, I plan on switching it over to all my machines. It, it just works really well. And the last thing I want to talk about is a little bit of feedback. Now, um, months ago... Uh, listener Jim Felder had sent us feedback about the idea of buying a new Mac and what he should do. And Jim took the plunge. So this is his follow-up email and a couple questions. Hello, Tim. I decided on a 27-inch iMac, 2.8 gigahertz i7 refurb. I got a Drobo regular and a three one-terabyte hard drives, Time capsule, CS5, and 8 gigs more RAM for the iMac. Right off the bat, uh, Jim, I have to say, <laughs> that's a pretty uh, badass machine right there, man. That's You've got some power there, my friend. Twenty-seven. That 27-inch screen on that iMac is huge. 
I mean, it's it's just mammoth, and it looks fantastic. The i7 is a very, very fast chip, and with 8 gigs of RAM, that's that you got you got a smoker there, dude. It's going to last you a long time, too. Now, you said you got a regular Drobo with three one-terabyte hard drives. Um, that's good. That's a, a, a good, good start. Now, he also writes, when I bought the time capsule, I wasn't thinking and forgot that it was also a full-fledged router. I was just going to connect it locally to my iMac. Now I'm wondering how I'll use it and where. I was going to set it, send it back, but decided to keep it and opened it. Um, the way my wireless setup is, it's in one of our bedrooms in the corner of the house. My room is on the other side of the house, two rooms away. I know the time capsule will back up wirelessly, but don't want to chew up the bandwidth for other devices on the network, especially when it's every hour. Okay, we'll stop there. Um, the only time it's really going to affect your bandwidth is the very first time your machine or any other machines that you're backing up to backs up to it the, the very first time because it's backing everything up. You can go into the time machine preferences and tell it not to back up certain features or files, I should say, such as at home I don't have time machine backing up the actual OS. I don't need a copy of that. What I want it to back up is my applications that um, if I accidentally delete it, I need quickly, uh, documents, stuff like that. I also don't have it backing up my iTunes library because that is so big that I didn't want to fill up my time capsule. I just backed that up to another drive. So, yeah, it, it the only time that that's going to be a, a, a big problem is the first time you back up to it. After that, it's only incremental backups, which means if, for instance, you downloaded um, a picture or uh, a song from iTunes, the next time it backs up, the only thing that's going to get backed up to it is the things that have changed. So if that's changed, that will back up to it. If nothing has changed, it won't, it won't back up any, it won't use any of your bandwidth. I've never had an issue with my entire network slowing down because something is backing up to the time capsule. It's never happened. Now, because you already have, and you didn't tell me what the other wireless router is, but a lot of times you can actually set up the wireless system so it one controls it, the other one simply extends the network. So if you can set your either the time capsule or the other router up to extend your network, you basically cover a lot more area of your house. It's not two separate wireless networks. It's one big wireless network. So you might want to look into that. Again, you didn't tell me what the other one was, so I can't tell you. Back to his letter, says, I'm also wondering if I should use a Drobo as my working files, graphic design, photography, etc., or strictly backup. But then I've got the time capsule. Also, I'm totally losing the whole clone setup I had on my G5. My internal HD had a clone, and so did my other internals and externals. Um, stopping there. You know, without actually seeing what your working solution is right now, it's kind of hard to give you advice. I can tell you what I do with my laptop. All my video projects, um, while I'm recording this show, all that kind of stuff is being recorded or copied directly to my hard drive, but not my internal. It's kicking over to my newer tech Maximus, not my Guardian Maximus, sorry. Um, it's a RAID. And basically, there's two hard drives in it. It's got two one-terabyte hard drives. So as I'm writing my files, it's going to my RAID, my Guardian Maxim. I'm going to say my GMAX because it's easier to say. So all my files are going to my GMAX. And as time goes on, the GMAX is copying from one hard drive to the other. It's making a mirror, an exact duplicate of one hard drive to the other hard drive. So it does two things for me. Number one, I don't fill up all my space on my internal hard drive. And number two, it's automatically backing up. Now, that's exactly what your Drobo will do. It'll automatically back up whatever you're doing. As you're working, it's backing up to the other internal hard drive. You've got three hard drives in there, so that's even better. 
Now, real world experience, I just, and I'm not kidding, just Friday, I had one of my hard drives fail on me inside the GMAX. Now, hard drives are going to fail. There's, I don't care what brand you get. I don't care how long you've had it or how new it is. Hard drives are mechanical devices. They will all fail eventually. It's just a fact of life. It doesn't mean that you, you bought a bad hard drive or you made the wrong purchase on a manufacturer. It just means that in the real world, hard drives fail. And that's why companies like OWC sells a lot of hard drives because we're putting all of our personal data on these devices. We have to make sure they're safe. So you need other hard drives to back up your data too. And a RAID is a perfect solution. So what happened with me is I had a hard drive starting to click on me. And it was taking forever to access it. Now, experience told me, that, guess what? That hard drive, or at least one of the hard drives in my GMAX, was dying. To fix it, all I did was get another hard drive that matched the one that's in there, pull the bad hard drive out, plug the new hard drive in, and the GMAX will automatically copy all the information from my one drive that's in there that's good to the new hard drive. And guess what? I'm right back up and running. My information is still being saved. I've got redundancy. When it comes to data, redundancy is really the key. If you've only got a file in one place, that file is very insecure. So it's constantly backing up my data. Now for you, Jim, for what I know you're doing, I would say put all your working files on the Drobo and let it copy itself and keep a backup that way. And then what you could do with your time machine is anything that you keep on your internal hard drive, say documents and stuff like that, that's what the time machine will back up. That's personally how I would do it if I were you. Um, but again, without actually sitting with you and, and going through it, it's hard to say. I would use the Drobo as a working hard drive because it is backing itself up so you're safe. That's what I would do. Now, remember, none of this helps you if you have a fire or a flood or damage or, or theft because if you only have your hard drive in one location – well, you see my point? Uh, consider buying a hard drive, uh, some kind of a storage solution that you can keep off-site. Or look at one of the online backup systems, something that you can get your data so it's not just locally, it's somewhere else too, just in case. That's really important. Going back to Jim's letter, uh, just having a tough time deciding how to set this thing up when it gets here tomorrow, tomorrow is uh, today, I believe. I'll probably have my iPhoto and iTunes library on the iMac boot drive just for ease and consistency. Uh, I thought about getting a KVM switch for the two machines. He's got his old G5 as well. Uh, but the switches are not able to go to the larger resolution of the iMac as of yet, and they're quite pricey. Yeah, you know what? What you can do... yeah. You can always do a, hmm, a G5. You're, you're probably running, I'm, I'm hoping that you're running Leopard on the G5. I know you're not running Snow Leopard because it won't work with anything that's not an Intel machine. So I'm going to assume that you're running Leopard on the G5. You can always do the screen share right from your uh, finder. Just boot up. The, the problem with this is you got to leave that G5 running all the time. But initially set it up, set up a user so you can log into it. You can select it and do screen share, and you can control the G5 from your iMac. So that's one idea. Um, but I'm also assuming that you still have the monitor that was connected to the G5, correct? So I don't know. It depends on what you want to do with the G5. Mac users tend to have a hard time of letting go of the old machines once the new machine arrives. But to be quite honest, Jim, once you're really starting to get going on the iMac, you're never going to touch that G5 again. You're really not. So I wouldn't put a whole lot of effort into figuring out where you're going to put it or what you're going to do with it. Um, just put it on the network, have it booted up, and do a screen share with it whenever you need to access it for anything. But trust me, after just a couple months, it's just going to be a big paperweight. You're just not going to use it. You're not going to have a need for it because you've got – the iMac is going to be, I mean, with those i7 processors, with all the RAM you have, you have such a powerful machine there that you're just, you're not going to be able to use that G5 at all. You're just going to be like, ugh, I think so slow. It's so big, clunky. Uh, I can't update the OS 
past what it is. Um, so, uh, you know, eventually you're probably going to want to get rid of it, to be quite honest. And take that money and invest in some offline storage, maybe a, a drawing tablet if that's something that you're looking for. Um, but reinvest the money that you can get for the G5 into something else that you can use. Maybe an Apple TV. <laughs> uh, he writes, I'm still going to keep the G5 in my room for a little while until I get what I need from it via the FireWire 800 direct to the iMac. Then I'll move it to where the router is and make it a server for all the movies and photos. You say that, but you're not going to. Nobody does. Everyone thinks they're going to use it as a server, but it doesn't make any sense. It's going to take so much power to run that old G5 compared to just why do you need that as a server? You have a much more powerful iMac. For that, for the amount of power that you're going to spend to have that G5 running, just get an external USB one terabyte hard drive, and there's your file server for all your photos and music. Seriously. So with that, I'm going to wrap up the show a little less than an hour. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. I was supposed to conduct an interview on Monday. Uh, something very important kind of came up. I can't go into details, but unfortunately that interview didn't happen. I'm hoping that it gets rescheduled for this week. I'm hoping to have that interview for OWC 31. Uh, all I'll say is the person is a New York Times bestselling author, and um, I'm reading one of his books right now, if you can call it reading. It is, but it's hard to explain. You'll understand if I get him on the show. Um, I'm hoping that will happen. And uh, I've got a few other guests lined up, but uh, until we actually lock him into a date, I don't think I'm going to uh, go any farther with that. So thanks very much to Jim for the feedback and the scoop on your new machine. Congratulations. Man, it's really great when you get a new machine, isn't it? There's such an excitement about it. I feel the same thing when I get a new iPad or an iPhone, um, but a computer, you get that new computer. That's, I like that feeling. And you got a real powerful machine there. So if you guys want to reach us, www.owcradio.com. That's to reach this show or OWC TV. You can also call our, this is not for Mac sales. This is just for comments on the show. You can also call our Skype number 1-801-938-5559. You can reach us on the Twitter at MacSales.com or at OWC Radio. And, of course, our email address is podcast at MacSales.com. Hope to hear from you soon. Thanks a lot for listening. Have a great week.